0: 7:02 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Everyone's chair dancing except for Bruff. Laddie's grooving. A dog's grooving.
1: He's chair dancing in his head.
0: In his mind, grapes. I'm not. Halford and Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer today. Song goes
1: hard.
2: The song's called Sports Day. Like elementary school sports day, yeah, it's sports day. It actually is. It's
0: called a- sports day. Every day is sports day here at Sportsnet 650. Get it the beanbags
2: out. Sounds like
1: a show, like a theme song to the show that Bruff would have watched back in the day that I wouldn't have remembered. What time for the group tug of war that'll probably kill a kid? Group <laughs>
0: tug of war was <laughs> My good. Arms, uh, with
2: a dislocated <laughs> shoulder. <laughs>
0: The egg, yeah, the egg relay, the egg ah, toss—a yeah. lot oh, of yeah. egg, a lot of
1: egg-related. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. that was their budget. Yeah. Well, we got thousands of eggs.
0: <laughs>
2: you How do we these invent days? activities around this? <laughs> God, I love sports day. It sack was awesome. The sack oh. races. I guess there were a bunch of kids out there that that were like, "God, I hate sports day." Yeah, yeah. This is not this is not my expertise. Yeah.
0: Like, it should never have been. I went, I went to my kids' one the other, the other day, and it was like, like true athletic events, like the. 100 yard dash. Yeah, my
1: school had like shot put. Yeah, like, like it that. should be. The school had
2: the shot put. Yeah, they like sports day. Yeah. Why Did not? Did you go to the elementary school toss. in Soviet Russia or yeah. something? No, it was, What's
1: what's more simple and cheaper than a Good shot Should we fight? keep him? This
2: next one is an <laughs> hour
0: of a heavy calisthenics. Object. Um <laughs> you work hard for his country. Yeah, the sports day should be like entry level, like the egg toss. Anyone can do the egg toss, right? Yeah. You just need to figure it out. It's not. It doesn't require any sort of like mm-hmm. great dexterity. You just right. have to not break the egg, right? Maybe you would catch it in like your stomach or something. Yeah, right? yeah, a, yeah. A, a landing area. Anyway, mm-hmm. it should not be about actual physical skills and traits.
2: I bet your 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 stomach is a little more amenable to. We'll see. That's a thing. Unfair down, advantage, right, right? there. You just I lie say. on your
0: back and let them bounce off your gut. It's no problem. <laughs> okay. Uh, what else do we? Oh yeah, seven o'clock hour. Hour two of this program. Brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling, Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North
2: Star Metal Recycling, they recycle,
0: you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. Finally,
2: tell them about Kintech. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics. We're, of course, coming to you live from the Kintech studio, and Kintech is Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. 2,500 people can't be wrong. Nope. Find your perfect fit at kintech.net. So, uh, prior to going to break, in classic,
0: rough fashion, he wanted to tease the backup goalie debate for next
2: season. Oh, Oh, yes. This is one of my – this is one of the things I like to lecture about. So – You know how I've I've got a few things I like to lecture about, Halford? A few. Uh, This is one of them. Do not ignore the backup goalie position for two good reasons. Number one is the most obvious one, and we've seen it play out this season. If your starter gets hurt, you don't want it to tank your season. Mm-hmm. Well, some people want it to tank. It's for not unlike, regardless, regardless, it's
0: not unlike an offshoot of the backup quarterback conversation in the NFL.
2: Uh, yes. Well, it's it's actually, you know what? It's you need to be more thoughtful about the backup goalie than the backup quarterback. Sure. Because the backup goalie is definitely going to play. You could be – did Drew Locke even throw a pass this year for the Seattle Seahawks? I will tell you. I don't think he did. I don't think he got into any games because Geno Smith played all of them. With the backup goalie, of course you're going to want to have a good proven backup goalie because what happens if your starter goes down? And we saw this play out this season, the Canucks – Gave it over to Spencer Martin and he was not up to the task. Colin Delia was not up to the task either. And then they, they got so desperate that they brought up Archer Silas. The second reason, and this is the most common reason, is that if you're a bubble team like the Vancouver Canucks, you're going to need to get you, you, there's not an area where you can badly struggle. Like you, yep. you you don't want to have to start your starter in 70 games because, first of all, that adds to the increase of injury. It affects the starters, um, start, uh, his play, he gets tired. Mm-hmm. So you want to have trust in your backup goalie to play, I don't know, 20 games? Laddie, what do you think? You're the goalie guy. What do you think? How many how many games, ideally, would you want your backup goalie to play? I would say at least 20. So yeah. at least 20. So yeah. think of this in football terms. Imagine if uh, your backup quarterback played four games a season. Like that's kind of similar to the ratio, right? Or even mm-hmm. three games a season. You'd think pretty hard about that. That could be the difference between making and missing the playoffs. Yep. And in Vancouver, and for bubble teams like Vancouver, the backup goalie can definitely be the difference between making and missing the playoffs. Wow. Well, and I mean, they've got to think hard about this because um, I don't. I think they'd be crazy to make Archer Seelofs the backup because I think you want him down in Abbotsford playing, sure. developing, learning. Mm-hmm. And just experiencing the ups and downs of being a starter in professional hockey. Make him the man down in Abbotsford and say, all right, let's see how you do. You can always bring him up for the odd game in Vancouver if you want. Yep. I think they'd be crazy to go back to Spencer Martin because I think they got fooled by a short sample size yeah. last season. I think that they, ship has it, sailed. It, yeah, I, you know, I don't know if it's sailed because he's under contract. For one more season. So you can still keep him in the organization. Now, Colin Delia's is a pending UFA, so he might not even be in the organization next season. I really do think that they'd be smart to go out and get an experienced NHL netminder who maybe has, maybe he's a little bit older. And I know this kind of screams Halak type of player, but maybe he's a little bit older and he has been the starter before in case Thatcher Demko gets hurt. You can go in there, and it's not like, oh, my God, I'm the starter in the NHL now. I'm not ready for this. So maybe a guy like Talbot or Auntie Ranta. I got some names. These I got okay. some names, too. You, you got, got some, there's some names? There's
1: some some pending UFAs that are intriguing. Guys like James Reimer. Yep. Reimer's Might have really a bit bonds. of a higher price tag, but uh, Aiden Hill is also a, a free agent out of Vegas. He's had a good run as a few games this year with Vegas, and then Martin Jones. Yeah, Martin
0: Jones is the one that I, but I had circled on the old chart. There are two
1: there. others that I would really like to see the Canucks key on if they're going for somebody. Uh, one of them is Laurent Brassois, right? Okay. local guy. He's, he's also an unrestricted free agent. And another guy who I've really hammered on, I t- think teams are really undervaluing him, is Anthony Stolarz. And he's playing to Anaheim, so no one really watches him. No one sees him. Right. But he's, he's got a nine eleven 11 on his career over a season's worth of games, certainly good enough in my eyes for a backup position, and he would come cheap. Well, yeah, and,
2: and coming cheap is is the is 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 pretty important. Clip it, Um <laughs> nah, nah, because nah. because the Canucks don't have a ton of cap space. Like, I don't know if they can afford to go out and pay their backup goalie three million dollars a season.
1: Stollars makes nine hundred fifty thousand this year.
2: I think that's around so, the where they're going to have to go.
0: Is I think honestly, got, like Jones might have even played himself out of their price range because it's going to have to be cheap. And it's going to have to be a guy that you can rely on. And that's not an easy thing to do, especially when you look at this organization over the last few years. Like I know there's a lot of things to hammer on. So people have kind of put this at the back of the list, but the goaltending position in terms of who's been the number two has been a real revolving door of eh. hasn't worked. So you, Yaro Halak, it, it didn't work, and he's actually had a decent year in New York this Halak year. Halak
2: was, was, at times, he didn't play well, but at times, he did play well, and he just didn't get the the run support from the Canucks. It, it was weird how many times he played well, and then it, like, the Canucks couldn't score.
0: And all Halak was, to me, was like a 2K version of the Braden Holtby experiment. Now, that occurred in the bubble, and Holtby, remember, he had the famous line after he left, and he's like, you know, I spent a couple months in Vancouver. It felt like a couple of years. I'm paraphrasing, but that so that was kind of the same thing as you bring in a veteran guy who was a number one and who reached great heights individually and was now on the back nine of their career. Neither of those worked out for whatever reasons. They've tried other ways though. Like Louis Domingue, De- uh, DiPietro got a handful of games, although that was never going to work out. God, remember Anders Nielsen as we go all the way back? They've tried so many different guys.
2: Yeah. Now, it's a hard position to fill. It well, really it is. is because you got this question coming into the dunbar Lumber text line now. And we kind of talked about this already. With what money will the Canucks be able to get a backup goalie worth more than a million dollars? We don't. That's it. You don't need to, though. I, I
0: feel
1: like there are options. There are there ways are around options.
0: It just mm. It's almost one of those things where you find a new guy on a near yearly basis and you just kind of cross your fingers and hope that it
2: works out. That kind of feels like what but the they approach- have to make a smart bet on this. Because it they, could be the difference between them having a successful season and a bad season next year. It really could. I mean,
0: all you, but, but I'm just saying, like, they've tried almost every different way. Although they've never really gone the route of what you're talking about, which is find a guy that doesn't have a huge NHL resume, but might be – and I think that's what Spencer Martin was to them. It's like, well, we saw him in a small sample size. He's never really proven it extensively at the NHL level, but we think we might have hit on this. And then Martin got an extended run, and it all just kind of caved in on him. Like that, you could replace his name with Anthony
2: Stolarz, for mm-hmm. example.
0: right? Like, oh, we'll give him a run next year, and after 20 games, he's got like an 823
2: save percentage. The right? nice thing about having Seelovs in the organization, though, is that you can have him down in Abbotsford, and let's say your backup goalie isn't panning out. Like he's played a few games, and you're like, oh, I don't, just don't trust this guy. At least now you've got the Seelovs option. Mm-hmm. I think they should keep him in the AHL. Like, next season you start, and he's the guy down in the AHL. But he's always that option. Mm-hmm. Like, someone texted in and said, uh, oh, it's Ryan in Abbotsford. I think if Demko starts 55 games, you could definitely do a split between Martin and Seelovs for the remaining 27 games. No, Try and sneak Selov's 10 games when the schedule allows it. This would, A, limit Martin's exposure, and B, aid in Selov's development while allowing him to get lots of starts in Abbotsford. Okay, the only reason you said no is that Spencer Martin was involved. But let's say it's another guy, not Spencer Martin. So you can have Martin and Seelovs both down in Abbotsford, because Martin is under contract. But then with the Colin Delia contract spot, because he's a pending UFA, I think that's the spot where you need to go out and find a little more experience, because experience matters. When when Thatcher Demko went down, you had Spencer Martin and Colin Delia, who'd combined in their NHL careers to start like 50 games. I don't know what the number was, but it wasn't high. So you're sitting there going, why can't these guys pull it together? It's like they've never done it, and now they're the tandem Mm -hmm. and in a really bad situation. It was a lot of negativity in Vancouver. Uh, The team couldn't defend. There was all sorts of issues with the coach and who's going to be the coach and when is the coach going to be fired. Like You could not have actually created a worse situation for Spencer Martin and Colin Delia, you really couldn't. Have. And then people are like, what's going on? It's like, uh, exactly what we would probably assume would go on if yeah. these two guys are in this situation. That
1: open spot you were talking about, the Delia contract spot, a good text from whoever, there's an unsigned text saying Ian Clark should be able to pick somebody that he wants. And I, I agree. I think you should just go to Ian, say, hey, here's a list of guys that we can target at yes. a cheap price. Who do you like? Who, who's a guy you can work with? Who's a guy you can think you can turn into somebody
2: consistent? That's that's the key, I think, for the Canucks. A text in to the Denver Lumber text line, 650-650 if you want to text in. Pay as little as possible, let's be honest. If Demko is hurt again, this team will not be close to the playoffs. What if he's out for two weeks? What if he's out for three weeks or just a month? Like Demko was out a long time. Mm-hmm. He was out much longer than anyone anticipated. Uh, he also wasn't very good to start the season. He didn't play well, so you need you still need to be able to bring in a guy in. So let's say the Demko goes out with a more traditional injury that keeps him out like four weeks. Yeah, that's like that, uh, that, that's that, important that sh- to bring that, up. That should not bury your season, and if it does, I think you probably got bigger issues than your goaltending.
0: See now the NFL example of this, and someone astutely pointed this out in the Dunbar Lumber text line six fifty six fifty. By the way, get your what we learns in. Uh, hashtag them WWL, put a ticket emoji on it, because we're giving away a pair of tickets to see the Canucks play. It was a Wednesday night, right? Wednesday night's game. Send them in now, 650-650. Anyway, someone pointed out from the NFL's perspective here with regards to the backup, uh, look at what Dallas did with Cooper Rush this year. Cooper Rush came Cowboys. in. Cowboys. Yes. Yeah. What'd yeah. I say? No, I'm just saying, you just said Dallas. Dallas, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's only one football team in Dallas. No, I know. Yeah, Yeah, I know. Uh, Cooper Rush went in and won four games during the regular season when Prescott was hurt but wasn't hurt for the year. They were always understood that Prescott was going to come back Mm -hmm. and be healthy, but they didn't want – I mean, four games in the NFL, if Rush had gone in and lost all four games, Dallas probably isn't in the playoffs. Or at the very least, they're fighting for a wild card. So the comparison is – and I get what everyone's saying. Like, if Demko gets hurt, the season's done. Well, that's not really accurate. If Demko suffers a knee sprain and he's out for three weeks to four weeks, you need to be able to survive that. Any NHL team that's worth its salt should be able to survive that. You can't have your season crater. And that's partly kind of what happened to the Canucks this year. Demko wasn't playing great when he got hurt. Mm -hmm. But they turned the team over to Delia and Martin, and they didn't get a save. Well, their
2: structure was terrible too.
0: Right, but every now and again... Now, the Canucks did it too often for this analogy. But every now and again, you have to be able to make a mistake and your goalie has to be able to make a save. Sure. He needs to yeah. play big, right? Yeah. Laddie, not small. needs to play square big. Square to the shooter. Yeah. Square up, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I just, and I, even you'll have to – yeah, square up. You'll have to admit – Deley and Martin, there were times where they just did not give the Canucks anything. there was no bailing them out. there was no night where the goalie was the best player. there was no night where the goalie was the top five player on the ice but, like it just wasn't good enough but it kind of brings us back to the question what did you expect from these guys? I think they expected Martin to take a step forward, not backwards. Mm-hmm.
2: but I think he by I throwing th- him into the worst defensive I th- environment I think he imaginable? got I think he just like I think the Canucks broke him. I I, I really do. Like, I I think the team in front of him broke him, and he just lost all his confidence. He probably lost his technique. He was probably in his head. I'd be very curious on that note. Sorry to cut you off, but I'd be very
0: curious to see if they brought him back into the fold now. Never cut me off again. Just one more time. Uh, If they were to bring him back now, with the way that they're playing under Tockett, with more like less egregious turnovers and everything, how Martin would fare? But, well, I,
2: I actually don't know how he's. He might still be in like recovery mode.
0: Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. He could be. He could be damaged from what happened. Like it's. It's very difficult for um, someone to be given that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Think that just allow the possibility. Like, oh man, I made it. Right. I'm an NHL backup now, and then just have it go cratering out of your, like, it's out of his control. Yeah. Right now, I mean, if you were to do the depth chart of Vancouver Canucks goalies actively, Spencer Martin would be fourth, right? It would be Demko, it would be Seeloffs, it would be Delia, and then there would be Spencer Martin. That's tough to have that happen in one year.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'd be even hesitant to have Seeloffs that high. It's still been pretty small sample size for him. I know it's a, oh, a totally big game p- he just played.
2: Like, right. I, I put I put a poll out on, on Twitter last night, and this doesn't surprise me. But it's the, it's the ability of people to get fooled by small sample sizes. So the question was, if Demko's the starter next season, who's going to be the backup? And I said, here are the options. Spencer Martin, Sealovs, Colin Delia. And then the fourth was none of the above. Now, I voted for none of the above. 58% of people voted for Sealovs.
0: People like the story. What do you want me to say? people like the story. I don't but, think it really But
2: stop getting fooled by this. There's so much more about being a goalie in the NHL and especially a goalie that's going to get quite a few starts than like your first few games. Okay, we the Canucks got fooled by Spencer Martin's small sample size. Once you're in it, things change. You can come up and start the odd game and you're going to be like 100% focused because this doesn't happen to you very often. But it's once you get into the grind, that's when you're going to get tested. Mm -hmm. Like You go back to not even goalies, young players on the Canucks, like Jared McCann, who came up as a rookie and played really well. And then Willie Desjardins, the head coach, was like, you could tell. He's like, I don't want this guy on my team. He shouldn't be on the team, and neither should Jake. But the Canucks forced those kids into the situation for whatever reason, and guess what? Things didn't go well. Like, as Willie Desjardins said, the league got hard for them. And that, that happens time and time again. Mm-hmm. The league gets hard for these guys because they face adversity. They lose their focus a little bit because they get tired or they get cocky or they get, they're just not, they're just, they're, they're not professionals yet. And they haven't learned to experience the league on a game-by-game basis. You keep Arter Silovs in this situation, And you put him in there, you play him too many games at the age he is with the experience level he has, you're playing with fire. On that note,
0: we just got a text in, unsigned text, but it's a what we learned to the Dunbar Lumber text line. Buddy, whoever you are, you'll hear me read this. You got to put your name on this stuff. You did a ticket emoji and a what we learned, but no name on the text. We can't award a winner if we don't know your name. What we learned, the Russian kids are all right. The Canucks are becoming Washington West. So much fun to watch. I appreciate your enthusiasm. I love it. It's hard to find optimism at this time of the year when things are kind of bleak and they're 26 in the NHL. Kravtsov and Pod Colson together. Uh, it's a very small. I just want to temper enthusiasm because I know sometimes we lean way too deep into the house of negativity. And anytime something positive happens, we always respond with a negative. Someone will say, Wow, ah, Kravtsov and Pod Colson look good together. And we'll respond small sample size. And then someone will respond. But it's exciting. And then we'll respond. But these are meaningless games that they're playing. So we're trying not to do yeah. that. At the same time, you got to be able to temper expectations, uh, especially with Kravsov, because he's done it in small sample sizes before. He had glimpses in New York where he looked like he could be a player. And we talked – you talked to – I think it was Arthur Staple about this. We talked to a couple other people about this. It was always the consistency. It was always can yeah. he do it over a 82-game season or – be able to bring that consistently. I'll say this.
2: He usually, has had some good moments, though. Yeah. He's, yeah. I, well, because there's a reason he got. No, he scored picked, in overtime. Then he gave the puck away. And that's what really. scored. <laughs> um,
0: there's a reason he was a top 10 pick. There's a reason that people were enamored with the total package, the size, the talent, the ability. I will be very curious to watch him in particular moving forward because in every young player's career, There comes a time where reality walks up and slaps you in the face. Mm -hmm. And I think being dealt from New York to Vancouver could be that for him. Because he's got that backup plan though, right? He's got the KHL. That's the other part of this. I think right now, all the opportunities that he and Walsh were asking for in New York, which never materialized for a variety of reasons. Milstein, not Walsh. Sorry, Milstein. Um, I think that they're staring him right in the face in Vancouver. Yeah. This is the best opportunity. He never had this opportunity in New York. I mean, Gerard Gallant came out and said on a couple of occasions, look, on terms of talent and ability and how he plays the game, Kravtsov's a top nine forward. He's just not a top nine forward here because we don't have the space to put him in.
2: And Glant they all liked his personality there. I think they—they they all they knew liked he was talented, and, and 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 he would work hard. They were frustrated with him mm-hmm. because of refusing to go to the AHL, which he should have done, and returning to the KHL. And it was kind of a back and forth thing. You never knew where he was going to be playing. But they all—they all ended. You know, Gerard Galant, in his in his remarks after was training, was like, "I like the guy. You know, like I wish him the best of yeah. luck." He just wasn't right for our team right now because we're a serious team right now. We're, we're trying to ramp up for the playoffs, yeah. and we're going to have, you know, it's, it's going to be – they're bringing in veterans. Like, there was no room after they brought Tarasenko in and they bring Patrick Kane in. Like, where's Kravt
0: Ty- Ty- Scott? Well, Tyler, Tyler Mott, right? Yeah. that's the fourth-line player that they wanted. Krabsop
2: was never going to be that guy. But in Vancouver, this is the opportunity, and he's getting the opportunity. He played in overtime. Yesterday, like that would have never happened. Talk it with me- the New York Times. mentioned
0: it by the way, talking about in the post game. What did you say? He said he won't. Well, I mean, this is the other part about end of year when the games don't matter. Yeah, he's like, ah, I just wanted to see to what happens. Yeah, see what happens. Like, he
2: nearly scored, but then he did give up the
0: puck. And that's right? what he said. He's like, you know, I thought they were okay, but you got to put them in those pressure situations. Mm-hmm. This is another part of the talk it experiment. If it was a meaningful game. Let's say the Canucks and the Preds were battling neck and neck for that final wild card spot together. There is roughly, I don't know, 0% chance that you're putting out Kravtsov and Pod no in Colson in that situation.
2: Yeah. No way. You're actually like, go back to the dressing room just in case I pick you by mistake. You
0: just sit. <laughs> don't get up. Just sit. But this is what you get to do. It is a weird luxury that's afforded to you. But at the same time, you ask, like, well, does this really replicate a pressure situation? Because if I'm putting these guys in the game, mm-hmm. automatically it becomes a not really pressure situation because there's not a huge pressure to win. Exactly. Uh, th- you know what I mean? Like, you get what I'm saying, right? Anyway, uh, we got to go to break. We got a lot more to get into on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, it is guest time after we rambled away for a while. 730, Thomas Drantz, Athletic Vancouver. Canucks talk right here on uh, Sportsnet 650. He'll join us at 730, and then at 8 o'clock, we're going NFL. Geno Smith, three-year deal. I was very happy for Geno Smith that he got that deal. He went out and earned it. NFL Comeback Player of the Year. Three years, $105 million from the Seattle Seahawks. KJ Wright is going to join the program. Uh, One of the best linebackers to ever play for the Seahawks. We'll talk to him about Geno's deal. We can also talk to him about Derek Carr, his former teammate in Las Vegas, who also signed a pretty lucrative deal to become the quarterback of a new team, the New Orleans Saints. So there's a lot to get into over the final hour and a half of this program. A reminder, we're giving away Canucks tickets. 650-650, Dunbar Lumber text line. Text uh, what we learned in with a ticket emoji for your chance to win a pair of tickets to see the Canucks play on Wednesday night. You're listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.
3: The most comprehensive Canucks coverage in the city. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Halford Brough, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Brough in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Hour two of this program. Thomas Durant is going to join us in just a minute for the back half of hour two. Hour 2 is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle you, get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. Dunbar Lumber text line is popping right now. 650-650. I say this because we asked for a bunch of what we learned. And if you include a ticket emoji, you'll be entered into the grand prize drop for a pair of tickets to see the Canucks play at Rogers Arena on Wednesday night. One of the sort of uncovered gems of asking for a lot of texts is that people will use voice-to-text. I'm assuming they're being responsible motorists. They don't want to be on their phone, but they still want to weigh in to the Halford and Bruff show. Um, Or as one of these texts auto-corrected, I'm assuming this is a voice-to-text auto-correct. It starts out not saying, hey, Halford and Bruff." This one says, hey, How Food and Broth.
2: How how Food or How Food? How Food? How Food, H-O-W, space mm. F-O-O-D. And then you became Broth. Ah, uh, everyone's big question. How Food and Broth.
0: Greg was saying that'd be a great restaurant. The, the Halford and Broth-themed restaurant. The soup food. restaurant. Yeah. No one knows exactly what it is, but they know Broth is involved. How Food and Broth. Oh, it's good. On the subject of food, someone else texted in talking about the possibility of having an all Russian line next year, if the Canucks were able to line Michkov in the draft, it said you could have Mitchkov, Pod and Crab Sauce. Mountain Dew or Crab Juice. <laughs> 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 oh, jeez. I'll take a crab juice. Kraukalush. That's Sauce, <laughs> by the way.
1: Sauce is Cra- crab sauce? Yeah, that's his
0: crab sauce. That's yeah. his that's his nickname yeah. now. It's hey, crab sauce. You're Crab Sauce now. What do
1: you
2: call that? me? You're Crab Sauce now. That's <laughs> your name. Okay. Let's I get... go back to gay, Chow.
1: Yeah, I don't like this.
0: <laughs> they I don't, don't like, the, I don't not like just... the nickname. I had a fine nickname. <laughs> I don't need to be Crab Sauce. They're not as silly there. Yeah. <laughs> 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 they take They take hockey
1: serious. No call me Crab Sauce.
0: Speaking of taking hockey seriously, what a segue. We go now to Thomas Drance from the Athletic Vancouver. Ray, right, you can hear him right here on Sportsnet Connects Talk. Uh, what up, Drancer? How are you? I'm doing well. You know
3: Last year, I was driving up the I-5. I drove the entire state of California in one day. And it was during the NBA playoffs, one of those days where like four games line up in the first round. So the entire drive, I'm listening on the radio to NBA action the whole way. And and I'm using voice to text to talk to my gambling group chat buddies. And I like nail a Mavs upset money line, you know, under parlay or something stupid like that. And I, I try to voice text. Uh, my group shit chat sort of, uh, hope someone tailed my Mavs bet. And I, I believe it came out with hope Taliban fat mouse pad was the, was the outcome, which is, you know, a collection of words. So ridiculous that, you know, it's true. I couldn't come up with it myself. Uh,
2: that is, that is awesome. Drancer. Hope
1: Taliban fat
3: mouse pad.
2: Yeah. Yep. Um, speaking in code. So, so Drancer, um, one of the reasons, um, I was on – actually, the main reason I was on team tank down the stretch was not, in fact, to um, improve the Canucks' odds at getting Bedard or one of these other studs in in, in the NHL draft. It was – so you would be wrong about the Vancouver Canucks winning a bunch of games down the stretch? Um, Yeah. Because I I know how much you hate being wrong. I hate it so Um, much, yeah. I I hate you being right, but over Uh the last little while – it feels like you're going to be right about the Canucks um, winning some games against a soft schedule with Demko back with a new head coach. They're turning things around at the wrong time. Is there anything good you can find? Let's let's keep this positive for once. Is there anything good you can find about the Canucks winning games down the stretch
3: and the way they're doing it? Elias Pettersson was the best player on the ice last night. Uh, You know, always nice when a top five draft pick (laughs) six years out is better than a team that's been a mushy middle team like the Nashville Predators have for the last decade. Um, Really, really a proof of concept win for the Vancouver Canucks last night. Honestly, my nightmare scenario at this point is just that I don't want to see the season end where Connor Bedard has a higher percentage chance of going to a non Canucks team in the Pacific Division than the Canucks do of making the playoffs in an all in year next season. And yet, I think that's where we're headed, boys. Yeah,
2: it would be, it would be, it would be very disappointing if this season, the way it's played out, the disappointment uh, ends with the Canucks like drafting eighth overall. It feels like yeah, Canucks uh, fans deserve that. Would more. that
3: would suck. That would suck. But I think worse would be Canucks drafting eighth overall and Connor Bedard as an Anaheim Duck. Yeah, like that to me because because I think there's an argument that they might be and and you know not not right away but maybe right away just because I expect Connor Bedard to be a year one impact player in the NHL. Like there's an argument that the Ducks might be as good, very close to the Canucks in year one if they were to land him. Not not without him, to mm-hmm. be clear. But so so you'd actually have lost ground, right? Like materially. So that right. to me would be would be worse than the Canucks just being eight would be the Canucks being eight and Bedard going to SoCal.
2: Uh, Drancer, we've had this conversation uh, a lot during the week, and people have been texting in and saying, like, I think Wolanin has been playing better than OEL, and Wolanin is an, is an upgrade on on OEL, and I think that says less about Wolanin and everything about the way that OEL has played this season. Even the general manager, Patrick Alvin, conceded, like, OEL has not played well. Now, Alvin said we're going to work with him to um, improve his game. But are the Canucks at the point where they don't need to work with him any longer, and they should just buy him out? And you, what, what can can you hand? I know we probably discussed this before, but things change as the season evolves. Do you think it's more likely that the Canucks um, buy him out this off season than it is that they don't?
3: I. So obviously I don't have specific intel. Secondly, I think it's a like it's a mugs game to try and handicap how likely a player who's currently injured um, is to be bought out. Right? You can't buy out an injured player. Um, you know, Ekman-Larson's injury appears to be relatively serious. So um, you know that makes that makes this game even more difficult. Right? Like impossible, frankly, because I I don't have a good enough sense of his health status. And then, you know, you look at the cap situation and I mean it's hard to see how this team gets to the point where they're able to keep adding the way they need to without you know the seven million in short term space that an Oliver Eckman Larson buyout would produce. So yeah, you know, it, it's just one of those where I'm in wait and see mode. I think everyone's in wait and see mode. I suspect whether you're the most plugged in out insider or the harshest critic, you're, you're no more likely to have a, a really good sense of it. This is the sort of thing that teams do not talk about for a variety of reasons, um, even even off record. So we'll see. I mean, we'll see how this sort of shakes out. As as for the Wolanin thing, you know, I, I think Canucks fans aren't wrong that this version of the Canucks blue line that we're seeing right now moves the puck better, like far better than the version we've watched for much of the season. I think that's partly Willanen. I think a lot of it is Kyle Burroughs. Like, I think all season long, it's been pretty apparent that Kyle Burroughs is one of Vancouver's six best defensemen. Now he's every, in the lineup every night. That makes a difference. Um, and, and so, you know, I think the Canucks were so stuck in terms of sticking with what wasn't working. And, you know, you replace um a Shen with Burroughs, right? And and Shen's obviously who he is in terms of the physical template in terms of the defensive play. But at the end of the day, like Kyle Burrows moves the puck in terms of his speed, in terms of his ability to get it going in the right direction fast, like better than Stillman and Shen and and arguably um arguably Oliver Eckman Larson this season, right? And and Willannon, you know, frankly, same thing. And you make small marginal improvements in terms of how this club moves the puck and the whole icing a defense incompatible with the act of winning in the contemporary NHL thing uh, changes pretty quickly, right? Like it, it, it's not that the Canucks are a dynamic team in terms of keying the breakout. It's that they're not completely stuck. It's that they're not, their attacks not fundamentally cut off at the stem every time they try and get moving to catch teams unaware on the break. Um, I think that's partly what we're seeing and, and it's just a reminder, like when something's not working, it, you know, it doesn't matter that X guy isn't as good as Y guy. It just matters that you keep churning until you find some solutions. That's something the Canucks just didn't do. They just kept sticking with what didn't work this season. Kind of a microcosm of the last decade of team building philosophy, actually.
0: We're speaking to Thomas Drantz from the athletic Vancouver here on the Alfred of rough show on sports at K yesterday. Drancer, Uh, We posted a video of Bruff and I talking about the Canucks remaining first round pick at the 2023 NHL entry draft. And we were talking about whether the team would entertain trading it or not. The responses to it, I thought, were quite illuminating. Not really because social media is a tire fire, but in this instance, kind of illuminating. Um, There was almost equal anger at the prospect of dealing it and us talking about it like the uh, the concept of we didn't even want to suggest it yeah like the suggestion (laughs) angered people and i thought that that was interesting as well i'll stand by what we said yesterday given what patrick alvin said after the trade deadline and the trajectory of this team and the philip harona trade and everything else it's very clear that next season becomes of the utmost importance in that light it would be almost ridiculous to not have the conversation about the pliability or movability of that pick because this team doesn't have a lot of tradable assets and it wants to get better. So if A plus B, if A plus B equals C, you can't argue with the pieces of the formula.
2: It's that, or we suggest trading Demko.
0: But I will say this. There are some people that don't even want to hear the entertainment of the idea. I think it's a really interesting dynamic moving forward.
3: Well, I, I mean, like, I, if we're handicapping that one, right, I'd say it's less likely to happen than more, right? Like I'd put that certainly on the short end of 50%. Okay. But the lack of tradable assets in combination with wind now pressure certainly makes it something that you'd, you'd think they'd have to think about, right? I mean, it's, you, you have to consider what capped out teams have to do, right? So, Think about Boston, right? Boston's got all these bonuses that are going to hit next year, right? They're, they're already capped out. Like part of the reason I suspect that they waited to sign David Pasternak even was to have a sense of where their cap space was going to be at at the deadline so they could calibrate like, and, and really properly cap plan for next season, factoring in that hit. Um, they're going to be so tight that I strongly suspect they're going to have to consider things like Do they trade Derek Forbert, who's really good for them? Do they trade Brandon Carlo, who's really good for them? Um, You know, those are the sorts of things that contending teams consider. Um, Why did the Tampa Bay Lightning pay two first-round picks for Brandon Hagel? Because they couldn't sign Andres Palat. Why did they pay half a draft class for Tanner Jeannot? Because they can't sign Alex Colorn, right? Like These are the types of decisions that teams capped out to the max with competitive pressure face, they're nauseating decisions, right? Um, the Canucks are going to be in that spot. I mean, there's probably a couple shoes that they have a better sense of of, of dropping uh, than we do, right? Like, they'll have a better sense of, you know, Pearson. Is Pearson playing next year or is the LTI'd, right? Is um, Pullman playing next year or is the LTI'd? Is there an OEL buyout coming? Like stuff like that, they know, right? We don't, so it's a little bit tough. But we know at the end of the day that it's going to be like even buying out OEL is a nauseating decision. Let's be real, right? Like even that is a tough, tough pill to swallow for ownership for the team's long-term cap outlook. Like there's a lot of negatives to doing it. Um, that's that's just going to be the start, right? Like when you're in a situation like the Canucks, like considering taking back suboptimal returns in trades, spending futures to acquire the guy whose contract fits right. Like all of this stuff has to be on the table. Uh, if you're going to make the logic of the Ronick deal hold up, if you're going to find ways to improve your team, you know, with the cap shoe string that Vancouver has imposed upon themselves. So, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't think it's an outrageous thing to bring up or discuss at all. I think it's, absolutely going to have to be one of the things considered if this team is going to go, you know, playoffs or bust mode as soon as next season.
2: Did you find it a little odd that Patrick Alvin kept on saying that I'm comfortable that we'll be able to make this team cap compliant and using the word compliant because they're obviously going to be cap compliant. They have to be, otherwise they won't be allowed to play. I think there's a difference between being cap-compliant and actually improving the team. We were discussing earlier in the show the backup goalie. Are they going to be forced to go cheap, like really cheap, on a backup goalie, and could that end up costing them in the end?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think the – so the backup goalie thing is important to consider just because we've seen that position – you know, really subject to inflationary pressure. Like the cost of a league average backup has doubled at least. And, and I, you know, I, I bet we'll end the off season with it having tripled over the course of, you know, a, a two and a half year span, right? Uh, backup goalies, you used to be able to find them for 800K. Now a quality backup goaltender is 2 million. Like the median price for, a, for an average backup is about 2 million. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all. If we get up to two and a half, based on you know things like uh, the the Kevin Lankanen deal in Nashville, and and on and on, and and you know what, what's a guy like Reimer going to get to be a one B somewhere? So yeah, I mean, I, I think the fact that you've got Ar- Arthur Silov's on the ZLC, you've got Spencer Martin on that one way contract, you've got a local American League affiliate. Like I wonder if it'll be a situation where you know Martin's with the team, but if Demko is going to miss a substantive period of time. It's Silovs that comes up, right? But, I mean, he needs to play games. I don't think you can have him – Silovs. I mean. I don't think you can have him gathering mothballs all season. But, potentially, you can lean on him, you know, if if you're in a situation where you're going to need to lean on a goalie and give them some run. Um, Maybe he can spot start in Vancouver so long as the club's here. I mean – you know, it's going to be hard. Like, I think it's going to be really hard for them to be in the market for the the $2, 2500000 million, dollar, you know, Eric Comrie-level backups uh, this summer.
0: Drancer, this was great, bud. Thanks a lot for taking the time to do this. We really appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of the week. We'll do this again next Tuesday. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks, boys. Cheers. And you too. Uh, Thomas Drantz from The Athletic Vancouver. And Canucks Talk here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Yeah, it's... Um... The, the goaltending situation, I know we're kind of, like, spoon-feeding this one to people. Like, it's not really a, a pressing hot-button issue. But it, it matters because I think right now, if I was to take the, the tone and gauge the temperature of this show, all due respect to the remaining 19 or 20 games or whatever is left on the schedule, but this is now all about next season. Yes, it is. Our narrative moving forward. And we're not trying to push anything. We just want to try and read the tea leaves and be honest, it's not even that hard to read them anymore because everything's out in the open and in plain view next year is about turning uh, one of the most defensively inept teams, a bottom 10 team in the NHL almost completely around and get them into the top 16. They have to be a playoff team next year. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the goal. Uh, There's already been moves to make that happen. Philip Horonik being the primary one. Well, Rick Taka. And Rick Taka being another one as well. Um, And then everything that goes on from this point should all be taken in the lens, the prism, the context of what does it mean for next year, right? We've got clarity as a fan base, and yes, I'll include Jason and I in that. We have clarity as a fan base what the remainder of this season, what the offseason, and then what training camp is all about. It's all about getting this team ready to try and make the playoffs next year. That is their stated yeah. goal.
2: Now, have you have we heard this story before? Yeah. yeah. Has it panned up? No. But that but they're but, gonna try again. But we're idiots. We just keep coming back for more. It's
0: like, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm ready. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. I'm like Homer boxing. I can take the body blows. I can just stand here for a while. <laughs> Eventually, you'll get tired, and I'm gonna win. That's the theory.
1: So is Bruff Moe is your your manager? <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> Oh, that one—the tingler. Yeah, his yeah. office is the women's washroom. Yeah, you, you,
2: you can't use that anymore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that's that's where we're at. So, in the context of what's going on right now in net, does it matter in the immediacy? No. Does it matter for next year? Oh, hell yeah, mm-hmm. it really does. Because you don't want, you can't, the margins of error, it's going to be slim next year, I would say. Mm-hmm. I don't think the Canucks are going to blow the league away and end up as a 107 point team comfortably in the playoffs.
2: Yeah. Should they rest Petey down the stretch? I feel like they're going to have to
0: play him. <laughs> so, in the context of, well, what happens if Demko does have to sit? For a couple of weeks, either due to injury or ineffective play, do you have a capable backup netminder to stem the tide? Mm. Play 500 hockey, get you eight wins or ten points out of twenty, whatever. Like you, you need that. You do because the margins are going to be slim. And you always bring this up. This dates back to our NBC days, by the way. We saw countless teams across the NHL over that six years that we worked there where not having an adequate backup goalie cost them the season. Like yep. they did not make the playoffs because something happened to their starter, or they just the 20 games that you needed a backup to come in and play, he just couldn't do it.
2: And they had to overplay their starter, or just those games that they did play their backup, they didn't win, so they yeah. didn't make the playoffs. Uh, so the backup goalie position, do not ignore that position; it's very important. Uh, so is the quarterback position. I found in good the segue. NFL, good. I think segue. That's a, that's important. Uh, Geno Smith. Uh, uh was reached an agreement with the Seahawks on a three year one hundred and five million dollar contract. Who saw that coming? Geno Smith? You mean the bust from the New York Jets? Couldn't make it in the New York Giants either? Came to the Seahawks and backed up forever? That guy? Just signed a three-year $105 million contract? We're going to discuss that in the NFL combine, the NFL draft coming up next with former Seahawk, one of my favorite Seahawks players of all time, K.J. Wright on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.